Hello, welcome to the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset Podcast, where it is all about helping amazing physicians just like you create a wealthy life free from burnout and with the financial security to practice medicine on your own terms. I'm your host, Dr. Elisa Zhang. Hello, friends. I'm excited to talk about real estate investing with you today. Andrew Carnegie has been quoted to say, 90% of all millionaires became so through owning real estate. More money has been made in real estate than in all industrial investments combined. The wise young man or wage earner of today invests his money in real estate. I'm not sure if that statistic is actually true, but it is believable. Real estate investing is a great vehicle for growing wealth. According to McKinsey Consulting Company, Real estate makes up two-thirds of the global real assets or net worth. There are a lot of ways to invest in real estate that range from being very active and hands-on to being just as passive as investing in the stock market. The most passive way to invest in real estate is just to purchase stock in publicly traded REITs or real estate investment trusts. Vanguard has made it super easy to add real estate to your stock portfolio with their Vanguard Real Estate Index Fund. This fund has a low expense ratio of 0.12% and exists both as a mutual fund with the ticker symbol VGSLX and the exchange-traded fund VNQ. According to the prospectus, the, quote, Vanguard Real Estate Index Fund seeks to track investment performance of the MSCI U.S. Investable Market Real Estate 25-50 Index. The fund seeks to provide high income and moderate long-term capital growth by investing in stocks issued by commercial REITs, end quote. So that's a great way to passively invest in real estate. On the other hand of the spectrum is development, which consists of buying undeveloped land and building property that would include all the permitting involved in getting the utility connections, as well as permitting for the building new construction. Then there's everything in the middle. This includes buying real estate, fixing up, and selling it, which is also known as flipping. It also includes buying real estate and renting it to tenants, or investing in real estate projects managed by other people, as well as investing in private real estate funds. You can also invest in different sectors of real estate, like residential, commercial, or industrial. Generally, more active types of real estate allows for more control, but also requires more work. There's usually less liquidity, but also the potential for higher returns. The best tax benefits are also for active real estate investors. Figuring out how you want to invest in real estate will depend on how hands-on you want to be, how important control is to you, and how much hassle you're willing to deal with, how much experience you have, or how much you're willing to learn to get that experience. Other considerations include your risk tolerance and your timeline. Real estate makes for an attractive investment for multiple reasons. The first is Passive cash flow. With real estate, you can get income from your property without having to actually sell the property. The positive cash flow tends to increase with time as rent increases. This is especially true with single family and small multifamily properties, which can be financed with a fixed rate mortgage for 30 years. There are stocks that pay a dividend, which can provide cash flow. The dividend yield is a financial ratio that tells you the percentage of the company's share price that it pays out on dividends each year. For example, if a company has a $50 share price and it pays a dividend of $1 a year, then its dividend yield would be 2%. Dividend yields for large U.S. companies have been trending downwards and have been low since about 2009. 
the average dividend yield of the S&P 500 in 2021 was 1.31%. Compare this to an average dividend yield of around 4% between 1970 and 1990. So if you're looking for a higher return on your investment in terms of cash flow, then real estate is often a good place to go. Not only can you get positive cash flow with real estate, but it also generally appreciates over time. As our population continues to grow, there's more demand for housing and the amount of land is not increasing. There are also federal tax benefits that come with investing in real estate. The government allows you to to depreciate property, which can give you a paper loss even while you're getting income and making money. There are deductions for mortgages and property taxes. And there is no self-employment tax on rental income. You can also defer depreciation recapture and paying capital gains tax by doing a 1031 exchange, something that can't be done with other asset classes. There are many ways to use leverage to your advantage in real estate. This includes leveraging with money, leveraging time, as well as leveraging other people's experience. When people start to invest in real estate, there are several different strategies people will try first. The first strategy many people think of when they hear about real estate investing is a long-term rental. Long-term rental refers to purchasing a property like a single-family house or a duplex and then renting it out to a tenant typically with a one-year lease. Usually, the property is rented, not furnished. In a single-family house, the tenant is typically responsible for not only paying the rent, but also paying all the utilities and taking care of the landscaping. With a multifamily, which refers to a building that houses multiple housing units, some utilities may be covered by the tenant, while others are covered by the landlord. Smaller multifamily properties, like a duplex, triplex, or fourplex, can be purchased with a conventional residential loan. This is the typical 30-year fixed-term loan, though there are, of course, other financial products out there. A multifamily with five units or more requires a commercial loan. The goal of a long-term rental is to have positive cash flow, which means the rents paid by the tenants is more than all of the expenses of the property, including the mortgage, property tax, insurance, repairs, maintenance, and property management. The tenants pay down the mortgage over time and the rents increase over time, which increases equity and cash flow. Short-term rentals or vacation rentals have become more popular in recent years. People often refer to these as Airbnbs, though vacation rentals have been around much longer than Airbnb has existed. In fact, Airbnb was founded in 2008 and VRBO or Verbo has been around since 1995. Verbo actually stands for vacation rental by owner. With a short-term rental, the property is furnished and the guest rents the property by the day or by the week. The owner, also called the host, covers the utilities and all the costs to maintain the property, as well as many provided additional services like grocery delivery or transportation to the airport. A short-term rental is more like running a mini hotel. You're really in the hospitality industry with a short-term rental. There is typically more work involved with a short-term rental compared to a long-term rental, but the cash flow can be significantly higher. There are also specific tax benefits with the short-term rental that also makes it more attractive. There are rules that allow for a real estate investor to take losses from a short-term rental and apply those losses against W-2 income without having real estate professional status or reps, as long as the real estate investor actually materially participates in the operations of the short-term rental. 
I know that was a mouthful, and the subjects of reps and material participation is a whole podcast in itself. The short message is, short-term rentals can allow a real estate investor to shelter a significant portion of their W-2 income if they meet certain rules. And it's even possible to not pay any federal income taxes at all. There's also another category called midterm rentals, where a furnished property is rented out for more than a month, but less than a year. These properties are typically rented people like traveling nurses who need a place to stay for longer than typical vacation, but don't want a year-long lease. Another example of people who use midterm rentals is if there's some insurance issue in their home, like they have a fire in their home and it's going to take several months to repair the home, the insurance company will actually pay for them to live somewhere else. And so they typically will need housing for two, three, four months. And that's where a midterm rental also comes into play. Long-term rentals, short-term rentals, and mid-term rentals are often referred to as active real estate investments, where the real estate investor has direct ownership over the properties and oversees the use of these properties. I already mentioned REITs earlier, or Real Estate Investment Trust, but I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about what a REIT actually is. So what a real estate investment trust is, it's really a corporation that operates or funds income-generating properties and are also publicly traded like stock. There may be some REITs that are not publicly traded, but here we'll just stick to publicly traded REITs. Owning a publicly traded REIT is the easiest way to start investing in real estate. Because they are traded on the stock exchange, they're much more of a liquid asset compared to other forms of real estate investing. REITs must pass at least 90% of their net income to their investors in the form of dividend payments. REITs are also highly regulated, which means some of the returns from the real estate actually go to meeting all the regulations, including filing all the SEC paperwork. This lowers the typical return on a REIT compared to other real estate investments. REITs are also not tax efficient compared to other forms of real estate investments and are often best held in tax advantaged accounts like retirement accounts. You can purchase a single REIT or purchase shares of a mutual fund that invest in multiple REITs. When you purchase a single REIT, that REIT will still be diversified since it will own many different properties, maybe even thousands of properties. There are currently over 225 publicly traded REITs registered with the SEC. As of March 7, 2022, VTSAX, which is Vanguard's total stock market index, was 3.74% in real estate, suggesting that REITs make up about 3.74% of the total stock market. If you're interested in having an equity position in real estate, but aren't interested in actually managing properties, then syndication investing may be for you. As physicians, many of us will qualify for accredited investor status. To be an accredited investor, you will have had to have earned $200,000 a year for the last two years as an individual, with likelihood of continuing to earn $200,000 a year in the future. You can also qualify if you and your spouse earn $300,000 a year combined, or if you and your spouse, if you have one, have a net worth of over $1 million, not including the equity in your primary residence. There are more investing opportunities open to accredited investors, including opportunities to invest in real estate. It is possible to invest in real estate syndication without being an accredited investor, but it is more difficult to find those opportunities. So what is a real estate syndication? Well, simply put, a real estate syndication is a group of investors who pool their money together to invest in a piece of real estate. Crowdfunding are syndications that advertise online. 
Many large apartment complexes, commercial office buildings, and self-storage units are owned by syndications. Typically, real estate syndications are set up with a group of general partners, also called the sponsors, operating partners, or syndicators, and a group of limited partners. The general partners find the real estate deal, get it under contract, and secure bank financing. Then they look for limited partners to provide the capital for the down payment for the property and possibly funds for other costs like rehab. When you invest in a syndication, you contribute money to the deal and become a limited partner. The syndicator will be the one to actively manage their property. If all goes well and according to plan, the limited partner gets checks in the mail or money deposited in their account according to the deal structure. Some syndication projects may have cash flow that is paid monthly or quarterly, and others may not have any cash flow, but at the end of the project, when the real estate gets sold, there could be a large payday. As a limited partner, you have no control over the management of the property, but you also don't have any work to do after you vet the deal and make the decision to invest. You also don't have the liability exposure you have when you directly own real estate. Another investing strategy that's related to real estate is lending to real estate investors. There are many real estate investors who lack the capital to go forward with great investment opportunities they find. This creates the opportunity to make short-term loans at higher interest rates to a real estate investor and then also have that loan secured by real estate. This is called hard money lending. For example, a real estate investor may find a great deal, like a distressed owner of a single-family house that's willing to sell their house for $60,000. The house needs a lot of repairs, which cost about $30,000, but with all those repairs, the house would actually be worth $150,000. The real estate investor, having used up all their cash in other deals, needs to borrow $90,000 to buy the house and do the rehab. However, traditional banks have a lot of underwriting to go through and are slow to end. They typically want a down payment, and they won't necessarily lend for rehab either. So in this case, the investor could turn to a hard money lender where they can get money quickly. This allows the investor to close the deal with the distressed seller before the seller changes his or her mind and also have money for the rehab. Once the property is rehabbed, then the investor can either sell it for the after repair value, what's also called the ARV of around $150,000, or they can refinance it to a lower rate with a traditional bank and pay back the hard money lender. Since the house is now worth $150,000 after all that repair, the investor can actually pull out $105,000 at a 70% loan-to-value or LTV ratio. This gives money to pay back the $90,000 that was borrowed with interest and potentially even still have money left over for the investor to pocket himself. And then this investor also has a rehab single-family house that he or she can now rent and make money on the cash flow. So this is just one example of how hard money lending can work. But lending can also occur for larger real estate holdings than just single-family homes. So this is where debt funds can actually enter the picture, because with a larger real estate holding, obviously more money would also be needed. So then let's actually talk about real estate funds in general. There are private real estate funds that are like mutual funds. These typically have a higher minimum investment compared to investing in a single syndication. It also allows more diversification across multiple real estate investments with a single investment. There are real estate funds that are invested in multiple syndication projects. So that would be an equity real estate fund where you are still owning a piece of real estate. 
similar to investing in a mutual fund of stocks by investing in a real estate fund that owns a number of syndications, you now have diversification over multiple syndications for less money than it would be necessary to actually invest in multiple syndications yourself. So for example, you may invest $100,000 into a real estate fund that's invested in 10 different syndication projects. This might typically take somewhere around $250,000 for you to invest 10 syndication projects if the minimum investment of each syndication project is $25,000. A minimum investment for a single syndication can be as low as $10,000, though $25,000 or $50,000 is more common, and I've seen minimums of $75,000 and even $100,000 for a single syndication project. Most real estate funds will focus on a particular real estate strategy. For example, some funds will focus on syndications that primarily buy large multifamily apartment buildings and then add value by rehabbing units and common areas so that they can raise the rents. A real estate debt fund lends money to prospective real estate buyers so that they can buy real estate or current owners of real estate assets with the loan backed by the real estate. Investors in these funds receive periodic payments from the interest paid on the loan. Like real estate equity funds, most debt funds are focused on a particular loan strategy or investment idea. For example, a fund may focus on offering financing for just retail and shopping developments, whereas another debt fund may offer financing just for self-storage units. So, so far, this has covered a pretty broad range of real estate investing. The last topic I want to cover is real estate that you personally live in. Unless you're planning on house hacking, don't think of your primary residence as a real estate investment. Buying your personal residence is generally an emotional decision and not one based on the analysis of numbers. Your home takes money out of your pocket, which is what Robert Kiyosaki defines as a liability. Your home will likely appreciate, but it usually takes several years for the appreciation to cover the transaction cost of selling your home. There is a reason why your home does not count towards your net worth to achieve accredited investor status. So what do I mean by house hacking? Some people will buy a small multifamily, like a duplex, live on one side, and then rent out the other. This way, they can get a homeowner's residential loan with a lower interest rate on the mortgage and possibly need less money towards the down payment than the traditional 20%. It's possible that the tenant can end up paying rent that covers the mortgage for the entire building and maybe even the cost of some of the maintenance. Or you could also just purchase a house, live in one room, and rent the other rooms to your friends. Another method of house hacking is to buy a fixer-upper and then fix it up while you live in it. And then you can sell it once it's all fixed up. If you live in the house for two years, then you don't have to pay taxes on capital gains up to $250,000 for a single person or $500,000 for married filing jointly. Another way you can make money off your primary residence is simply by renting out when you're not using it. There's something called the Augusta Rule, which allows you to rent out your home for up to 14 days a year without having to pay taxes on that rental income. If you're going away for vacation, you could rent your home to someone else who wants a vacation in your hometown. Better yet, if you have a business that's an S-corp or C-corp, you can rent your home to your business in order to hold meetings or to hold a holiday party. This allows you to distribute money from your business to you personally tax-free. 
Just a small disclaimer here, before using any of these methods, you need to learn all the rules involved as well as the risk and benefits. I encourage everyone to have some real estate exposure in their portfolio. The more diversified your portfolio is with uncorrelated asset classes, the smoother the ride of your net worth and the assets that you have will be. I already mentioned that you just want to add some real estate exposure to your portfolio, but you're not actually interested in real estate investing, then really you could just buy shares of Vanguard's real estate index fund and call it a day. Otherwise, if you are interested in adding real estate to your portfolio, then the first thing to do is invest in your own education and learn more about real estate investing. There are many great books, courses, and podcasts out there. Bigger Pockets is a real estate company that has created a community of real estate investors forums on their website. They also publish many good books on real estate investing, including one of the best I found on real estate syndication investing called The Hands-Off Investor by Brian Burke. There are also a number of real estate courses led by physician real estate investors, of which I've taken several. Keep listening to the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset podcast with future episodes diving more on real estate investing. You can also go to my website, growyourwealthymindset.com, and go to the resources page to find more of my favorite books on money and investing. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode on real estate investing, and I look forward to talking to you again next week. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could share it with your friends and colleagues. And now for the disclaimer. I am not a certified financial planner, accountant, or attorney, and nothing I say should be construed as professional investment, tax, or legal advice. This show is primarily for your education and entertainment. I am a physician, but I'm probably not your physician. So if you need any medical advice, please contact your own physician. Thank you.